Would you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's Word. And we have a verse that's going to come up on the screen there. It's called our theme verse. We've been doing this every week since the first week in January. Our series is called Better Together. And this verse really explains why. So our custom is we all read this together in unison. So I'm going to count to three, and then I want us all to read it together. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Joined together. Holy temple. Where God lives by his spirit. And I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This one won't come up on the screen. But it is in your Bible app, uh, and you can, of course, find it in your own Bible. Anybody actually bring a physical Bible to church? Hold up your Bible if you bring that to church. Wow, good job, you guys. Uh, you can smack the devil with a Bible. You have a harder time if it's just on your phone. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that's what we've been talking about, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and ha having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, four times it says stand. You'll see why. Stand, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. We'll stop right there. Let's pray and ask the Lord's hand on this word. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is life and it is light and it is correction. It is instruction. It is, it is powerful. And even according to what we just read, your word is a weapon. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would help us, that you would teach us and you would instruct us, mighty God, in how to effectively wield the word that you've committed to us. So we ask you, Lord, to help us open our hearts, change our lives, speak to us today in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I... I love what I'm going to share about today. This is why i got to be careful. When I get really excited about topics that I'm sharing about, I, uh, I just find that I go off on bunny trails. But I'm going to stay on track today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the sword of the Spirit. The Bible says the Word of God. I've actually spent more time on this whole armor of God than I had originally intended to, but... 
as I go through this every time, I find that, man, God just begins to show new things to me. I, we've talked about uh, the belt, how we receive the truth, how Jesus is truth and the Bible is truth. If you don't believe that this word is authoritative, if you don't believe that this word has power, uh, my message today especially is really going to rub you the wrong way. I believe this is the word of God. I believe it has power. I believe it stands up against the, the harshest and the fiercest criticism historically, uh, grammatically, uh, on every single level. Man, I was reading about the process by which scribes would translate the word of God. It is mind-boggling. I think still to this day that uh, uh, Brother Lee Strobel uh, did one of the best jobs in the case for Christ in defending the word of God. He was an atheist. He was a news reporter, and he was actually approaching the Bible trying to discredit and disprove this as a, as a source of authority for the resurrection and even the, history, the history of all of this. And in the process of trying to disprove the Bible, he ends up getting saved, realizing this is absolutely authoritative. It's incredible. This is truth. This is the word of God. Uh, we've talked about the breastplate, how we put on Christ and his righteousness becomes our righteousness. He takes our sin. He gives us his perfect life. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And then we are transformed into his image continually. As shoes, we receive and we release the gospel of peace. We know that God is with us and he is for us. And no matter what giant you're facing, no matter what battle you're moving into, no matter what storm you're in, the God of peace is with you. Then we receive the wonderful privilege of being a gospel releaser. That the very same things God has done in our lives, we get to encourage other people. God can do this for you. I was a drug addict, and he set me free. And if he did that for me, he can do that for you. Hallelujah. The shield, we accept by faith what God says. We trust that his way is better than the world. We trust that what he says is sin is sin, and, and what he says is righteous is good. And, and, and so we receive by faith what God says. For salvation, we talked last week about the hope of salvation. And boy, I tell you, I got ministered to powerfully just as I was bringing that word. Do you know that what feeds me feeds you? Like, like I, don't, I don't download sermons off the internet you never find my sermon, uh, oh, yeah, I heard Brother So-and-so preach that. But no, I seek the Lord, and I study, and the Lord ministers to me. I dig in. Now, I, I reference other things. I study a lot, and I'll read what other guys have to say. But at the end of the day, what I bring out from this pulpit is what the Holy Ghost has spoken and ministered to me. And so that's how we, that's how we minister. And so God ministered that to me. Now, Today, this is, this is a lot of fun, and this is going to be dynamic. It'll be life-transforming if you receive it. We only have, of all of the pieces of armor, one weapon. In all of this that the, that the Lord has given us in this, in this battle against darkness, this, this Satan who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, we have all these wonderful pieces of armor, and we've talked about them, but we have only one weapon. But I want you to know today, one weapon is all we need. 
And when you see the power of this one weapon, you're going to understand how tremendous it is. I, I, I'm a comic book guy. I, I love superheroes. Do we have any, like, superhero, you know, Marvel, DC, uh, anything? What, what do you like, Marvel, DC? Okay, well, personally, I mean, I like Spider-Man, Marvel, but my favorite is Batman. Batman, you want to know why? Because, you know, here you've got a guy like Superman, and I always felt like Superman was just kind of cheap. I don't know. Like, this is unfair. This guy has no weakness. I mean, he's bulletproof. He's invincible. Super speed. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's got laser eyes. He's got the frosty breath. You know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just, there's nobody who really puts up a fight against Superman. And I always just felt like, you know how this is going to end. You know that he's going to win. You know there's no chance that he's going to lose, except for the time he lost. And you know what I love about this now? You know, I, here's Batman. Batman has no powers. Batman's only power is that he's a great detective, that he is, uh, I almost said the Bible says, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, He's very smart. His, his best power is money, right? He's a trust fund kid. And so, uh, you know, here's this orphan boy. But, uh, you know, he's kind of like the underdog with no powers. And I'm just like, man, Batman is awesome. And he's got his martial arts training. It's all self-discipline, right? And uh, what I love is you've maybe seen there's movies, there's cartoons, there's comics. It's been redone about a dozen times, this whole series, this episode called Batman vs. Superman. Now, I'm going to spoil it. A movie came out just a couple years ago. If you've not seen it already, then you don't want to, so I don't feel bad spoiling it. But can I just tell you, Batman wins. How is it that a man with no power is able to beat this guy with all the powers? Well, what I failed to mention just a moment ago is Superman does have one weakness, kryptonite. And Batman knew that if he was going to have a chance, you're like, Pastor Jacob, where in the world are you going with this? I'm going I'm to stop nerding out in a minute. Last week was Star Wars. The week before was Lord of the Rings. Now it's Batman, okay? But, uh, uh, but he knew he has one weapon. He had one weakness that he could exploit from Superman. And boy, he sure did. He took that, and depending on what story you follow, he weaponized it in different ways. And we, he ended up conquering this unconquerable enemy. Now, where we can draw our application from this today is there is an enemy. Who dominates most of the world, you understand? The Bible says that Satan, the entire world, lies under the sway of the wicked one. The Bible repeatedly calls him the prince of the power of the air. Even the verses we read earlier, principalities and powers and rulers and authorities. Uh, we see all of these words of authority and power. And you might wonder, he has all kinds of power and all kinds of authority. Who can stand against the devil? But according to the Bible, we have been given one weapon, 
And I'm telling you, it is like kryptonite. All we need is this one weapon. No, you and your own ability cannot conquer the devil. No, you and your own authority cannot win against this battle against the enemy. But if we learn to wield the word of God and take God at his word, I'm telling you, you will withstand in the evil day. You will prevail over every power of darkness. And so we're going to learn how to do that. It's, it's not a difficult thing, but you'll see that even Jesus, and surely as God in the flesh, he had some authority he could tap into. But you'll notice that when Satan came to him in Luke chapter 4 and began to tempt him, what did he do? The word of God says... It is written over and over and over again. Jesus used as a weapon against Satan the word of God. You'll see that when the Pharisees came criticizing constantly, Jesus' rebuttal was, it is written. It is written. Isaiah said, rightly it was written when they prophesied. Over and over and over again, Jesus stood on the authority of Scripture when he was defending his ministry, and his life. And you'll see that even from the very beginning, the word of God, what you'll understand is with a word, the world came into existence. Now, I'm going to go somewhere with this, and I, this is really going to shift the way that we talk, the way that we think. I, I, I pray that we'll get this. God spoke the world into existence. I want you to think about this with a word. Everybody say a word. He spoke. Really, this is how it happened in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you'll see this phrase repeatedly in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke the word and it happened. And it happened again in verse 6. God said, let there be a division between the heavens and the earth, a firmament. And guess what? There was a firmament. Whatever that is, I've got ideas. We won't go into that today. In verse 8, it goes on. Let there be, and there was. In verse 11, let there be, and there was. Over and over and over, God said, let there be, and it was. The only exception or the only addition to that, we see in chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, he said, let us make man in our image. And this time, he actually got his hands a little dirty. He formed man from the dust of the earth, and he himself breathed. Everybody say, breathed. He breathed his breath, his life into man. And Genesis 2, 7 says he became a living soul. Now, this is incredible. God created with a word. Breath spoken, God gave life. His word, his breath. What are the two components? His word and his breath. Pay attention. Walk with me on this one. We have been given Jesus. And the Bible repeatedly calls him. Do you remember John 1.1? In the beginning was what? The Word. Who's that talking about? 
Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Repeatedly we see this, and it goes on to begin to detail how nothing in creation was created without the Word. Jesus was active in all of it. Jesus is the word. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, now this is fascinating. He's actually referencing one of the ministries of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But that's not exactly how he phrases it. He actually says the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Jesus has been given to us, the Word made manifest. And what he delivered to us was the Word of God. Now, I want you to pay attention because we just read earlier that the, that the sword of the Spirit, everybody say Spirit, is the Word of God. The two components that God used in creation was the Word and breath. Now here's what's interesting. Did you know, some of you are already putting this together, did you know that in the Old Testament there is a Hebrew word called ruach? Everybody say ruach. Yeah, you got to get the at the end there, ruach. In fact, very often it's partnered with another consonant, uh, ruach hakadesh. Everybody say hakadesh. Ruach HaKadosh. Now we're speaking Hebrew. That means spirit of God or breath of God. Ruach all throughout scripture is used interchangeably as spirit and breath. Now here, you're already putting this together. In the New Testament, it's exactly the same. Jesus breathed on his disciples in the upper room and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That word breathe was the Greek word pneuma. And it means breathe or it also means spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing Wind, I believe that was the breath of God blowing in. And that word spirit, when it came upon them, is the same word pneuma, meaning breath or blast or spirit. Has anybody ever felt? I have people tell me all the time, I was getting prayer, and I felt like a wind begin to move around me. Have you ever seen or, or heard something like that? Why? That's literally what the word spirit in the Bible means. It is a breath. It is a blast. That mighty rushing wind. It's the breath of God. Now think about this. How did Jesus conquer Satan in the wilderness? Word. What was the authority of all creation? A word and breath. What have we been given as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have been given Jesus, the Word. We've been given the Bible, the Word. And we have been given the Holy Spirit, the breath of God Almighty. I, I wish I had some, like, you know, cool, climactic, you know, maybe your brains are just being blown right now. I mean, does this, is this not incredible? That the very two things 
that Jesus used as a point of authority and creation has been given to us. Guys, that ought to tell us how powerful the weapon that we have. What, what's a shame to me? Can I just, yeah, yeah, that's worthy of praise. Come on, we just better thank Jesus for that. I remember I, I had this moment when I was in Bible school when my wife first met me. Um, Everybody was calling me Bible man when we were in Bible school. And I, I, you know, I was pretty proud of that title. Here I am in Bible school and I'm the Bible man. And the reason was is because when people wanted to ask theology questions, they would come ask me. And I really felt like, boy, God has given me mighty revelation. You know, I just really thought that I was just somebody, right? And, uh, but, but here's what I began to realize. I, I, you know, as, as my role in, in the school changed, I ended up becoming uh, what they call an RA, a resident assistant. And I was actually the guy who was overall disciplinary actions. So if students were about to get kicked out of school for whatever the discipline issue was, they were assigned to me to mentor them. And one of the requirements that I had for them is they had to be in prayer meeting, but they also had to read the Bible. And every time we would get together, I would ask them, what have you been reading? And every time, I was stunned. Well, I, I haven't been reading as much as I should. You know, I, I, I did this assignment over here, and I, you know what I began to realize is I do not have profound revelation of the Word of God. Most people just don't read their Bible. And I realized, you know, guys, growth in Christianity is not complicated. I know we have, like, seminars and conferences and all of this. But if you pray and read your Bible and stop sinning, like, you're going to be, like, set up for revival. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, Dr. Yonggi Cho. Oh, man. I need to. I'm going off on tangents. Help me, Lord. I, you know, Dr. Cho was sitting in this, this church growth board, this, you know, he's got this, this, this board where, you know, some of the leading pastors, the largest churches on the planet, Dr. Cho leads the largest church in the world, in the world, three million plus members. They have life group leaders meetings where they have like 200,000 people show up, just leaders, not assistants, not hosts, we can't have room for it. Three, two to 300,000 people. I mean, this is, the, this is his caliber of ministry. And so they have this massive conference. Dr. Morocco is actually invited to be a part of it. And all of these guys are giving their two cents and how they grew their church to 20,000, to 30,000, to 50,000, 100,000, whatever it is. And they've all got these brilliant programs and they've all got these wonderful systems. And they close the meeting by asking Dr. Cho, largest church in the world. How do you grow your church? What was your secret? And I kid you not, this is what he said. Pray. Preach the word. Let people minister. Like it was the most simple answers that you ever had. Guys, I just want to encourage every person within the sound of my voice. If you want to be like the next Bible man, if you want to take my mantle and be the next Bible man, just start reading your Bible. Uh, maybe pray every day. I think that would be a good step, especially you guys looking to go into ministry. Uh, start praying and reading your Bible. All right. You got it? <laughs> so, 
We look and uh, let me give you a, a couple of verses here. Psalm 33 and verse 6. The word of God, by the word of God the heavens were made. And he breathed the word and the stars were born. There we see the creative power of the word and breath. I could give you a lot of these. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now that's a mouthful. But even if you just take that first phrase, the Bible will divide between soul and spirit. What in the world is that talking about? You know that even as God is a triune being, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, did you know you are a triune being? Do you know that? You have a body. You are a soul. And I said that correctly. You are a soul, you have a body, but you also have a spirit. If you have been born again, you have a spirit. Well, you have a spirit either way, but either your spirit's dead or your spirit's alive. Okay? And so once you receive Jesus, your spirit is made alive. It is perfect in unity. It's already perspective. Your spirit. This is why we talk about what is the spirit speaking? You know, does it bear witness with your spirit? You know, we want to know. This which has been redeemed on the inside, is it bearing witness with the Holy Spirit what God is speaking? On the far side, you have your flesh, your fallen human nature. It is sinful. It is decaying. Uh, you're going to die one day, spoiler alert. It's going to happen. You wake up sometimes. You have body pains. Your hair will thin. I'm not making negative declaration. I'm just telling you, we live in a fallen world with a fallen body. Your body will always cry out for food. Your body will always cry out for all kinds of stuff. Some of it's wonderful, some of it's not. You will have sinful cravings that are alive on the inside of your body. And right in the middle is your soul. This is your mind. This is your will. These are your emotions. And it's with your mind, with your will, with your emotions that you decide, am I going to give in to my carnal, fleshly, human, fallen nature, or am I going to go and walk the way of the Spirit? This is not complicated, but this is where our battle is. And so the question comes, is this emotion that I'm feeling spirit or is it my soul? Am, am I being emotionally led in this moment or am I being led by the Spirit? And the only way that you're going to determine that is when the sword of the Lord comes in and begins to divide. That's flesh right there. That's soulish right there. I like David, man. He's like, you know, why are you downcast, soul? My thoughts, my emotions are not where they're supposed to be. So he commanded his soul, hope in God. Hope in God. And you'll notice that this is what the Lord does. We take the word of God, and there are so many promises that are in here. Thousands and tens upon thousands. I mean, if you need a house, you can find a verse for it. If you need healing, you can find a verse for it. If you need deliverance, freedom, you can find a verse. If you need verses to, to pray your lost loved ones into the kingdom of God, there's verses for that. There's verses about revival. I mean, you just you choose your topic. Search the Bible, you'll find a promise. You know what that is? 
That's vision. Everybody say vision. I'm going to help you out here today. I'm stepping away from my notes. That's vision. The problem is you can get vision that will never be fulfilled unless we activate it by the word. Well, how does that work? So you'll notice that when the Lord intended to use, a, use somebody, John the Baptist, he is going to be the forerunner for the ministry of Jesus. John was supposed to be named after his daddy, Zacharias. But the Lord was so intentional. Gabriel, you go tell them that his name is John. It's actually half of the word Jehovah. He was beginning to lay the foundation for what Jesus was going to bring. And every time somebody said the name John, they were prophesying the ministry of John. Every one of the disciples of John, every time, hey, John. Your locust is ready for lunch. You know, whatever it is. You guys know locust and honey? All right, that went over your head. Or I didn't deliver it well. So, um, every time they would speak his name, they were prophesying. Same thing with Jesus. You will call his name Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, literally can translate to Joshua. It means save from sin. And you'll notice that when the angel said, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So every time somebody called out, Jesus, they're saying, save me from my sin. Every time Mary, Jesus, time to go to synagogue, they were saying, Savior of sin, it's time to go. You understand, every time that word was being released, there was identity, there was prophecy. One of the great examples was with Abraham. I love the story of Abraham. He was a 90-year-old man, and the Lord gives him a vision. He takes him outside of his tent. He's a desert nomad kind of guy. He stands out in the middle of this. He says, Abraham or Abram, look up. Begins to give him a picture. Look at these stars. He says, that is how numerous your descendants are going to be. Vision. Vision. Look at the sand beneath your feet. As numerous as these grains of sand is how numerous your descendants are going to be. He goes, a number of years go by. Sarah, his wife, she's not on board. She doesn't believe it. She's old, past childbearing years. Abraham, he's old, past childbearing years. I mean, this thing is not working out. So the Lord visits them a second time. And this time, he changes his name. Now, why would he do that? He changes his name from Abram, which means father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude of nations. Every time. Now, Abraham, he leads his tribe. There were thousands of people under his care. And every time somebody was calling him, whether it was a business thing or a family thing or a whatever it might be, father of a multitude of nations. Father of a multitude of nations. 
Abraham goes. He's shopping in the city. Hey, what's your name? My name's father of a multitude of nations. That word was on his mouth. And didn't you see that the moment he began speaking, it was a very short amount of time that his wife conceived their miracle. It is so important. Some of us, we, we just, well, the Bible said it. God must know that I need it. And we leave it right there. And I'm telling you, if that is your approach to laying hold of the promises of God, you probably never will. There's a reason. We read the verse just a little earlier in Matthew chapter 7. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Do you know why every day we pray for our building project? Some people would say, well, Pastor Jacob, you already bought this property and that was a miracle and it was. God's already growing the church and he is. Clearly, God's favor is on this. So we don't need to pray about it. God is already doing it. No, 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 no. Until that vision is made manifest, it needs to be on our lips. We need to declare that thing. That building project will be finished. Lord, and you need to take, you need to take the Bible and know, Lord, your word says that unless God build a house, the people labor in vain. God, build your house. Jesus, you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus, be true to your word and finish this building program. I mean, you need to begin to take the word. How much are you in the word? How often are, are we in this? I mean, you need, to, you need to begin to take the word of God and not just apply it as a statement of faith. Or I know the Bible says that. Make a nice graphic and post it on Instagram. Is it in your mouth? Is there breath and words that are being activated to see a vision become reality? We need to begin to use our words. Well, one day my healing's coming. Not like that it's not. And I'm just being serious with you. Read how Wigglesworth prayed for people. There wasn't any, like, wishy-washy, just, well, we'll just see if this is God's will for you today. No. He would treat that sickness as if it was the devil himself, and he would take the word of God and release it. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. If it worked for Jesus here, it's going to work for you because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you take the word for what it's worth? You know, when I pray for revival, I'm just like, you know, God, you did it here 200 years ago. That'd be nice to do that again. It's never going to come. What I do is I stand on the word. Lord, your word says. The prophet Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2. And Peter prophesied it in Acts chapter 2. That in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On sons and daughters. On men and women. On young and old. I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Jesus, be true to your word. Pour out your spirit right here upon this people. Do you hear the difference, friend? Well, one day my prodigal son's going to come home. Not like that. You guys get the picture. I, I, I need to move on. 
Oh, my goodness. Can, can I tell you one more thing that's just going to convict you? Saw a statistic earlier this week. Worship team, you guys can come. I'm, I'm, I'm done. In, I saw this statistic that the average American spends three hours and 45 minutes a day watching TV. That's right now. That's, a, that's actually a 2020 statistic. Probably gone higher with COVID. Three hours and 45 minutes. And what's stunning about this is the older you get, the higher that number is. 65 plus average, almost seven hours a day. They've retired. They're watching all the game shows. Now, even though it declines as you get younger, 18 and under actually is pretty, uh, um, is only about two hours a day. However, 18 and under average five hours of phone use a day. Now, in order to read through the Bible in a year, you have to read about three chapters a day. And people have studied this. If you average three chapters of the Bible a day, on average, your daily Bible reading over the course of the year will be five minutes. I figured it'd be quiet. Our lack of Bible understanding is not due to a lack of time, friend. One look and how much time you spend on Facebook or Instagram will prove you have time to read your Bible. Now, I'm not here to condemn us because we're going to pray, Jesus, help us. How many of you agree? My hand is up for this. I could do with less screen time and more Bible time. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. My goal right now is I try and read two hours a day. And I hit that most days. I exceed that most days. You don't have to do that. Start with the five minutes. Start with a read through the Bible in a plan, uh, in a year plan. You can get one for free off the Bible app or just read. Where I started this, I had a 95-year-old woman named Frida Lindsay. And she told us every time she'd get behind the pulpit at Christ for the Nations, read your Bible every day, three chapters a day and five on Sunday. Read your Bible every day, three chapters a day and five on Sunday. Every time she would stand up, she would say, so you know what I began to do? I began to read my Bible every day, three chapters a day and five on Sunday. And you know what I found as I began to work through the Word? I'd read one Old Testament, one New Testament, and I'd read a Psalm or Proverb. And then I found, after a few weeks of doing that, I want more. So I had another chapter on there. I want more. I had another chapter on it. So I, didn't, I didn't start reading two chapters when I first started my walk with the Lord, but I'm going to read the Bible. Read the Bible. Why don't you stand all across the room? I hope I didn't make you feel too bad, but I hope I made you feel a little bad. Read your Bible. 
Read your Bible every day. Well, pastor, you preach the word, and you preach for a long time. I'll just let you. you know, listen, if you got mad at a restaurant because the only meal you ever ate was the once a week when you go out on date night, you're going to be hungry, friend. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, and it's not happened yet in Kona, and I praise God. And if you ever come to me and tell me this, I'm going to smack you. I'm just not fed in this church. Either you're not paying attention, but here's the larger issue. The word is coming out. But if you're hungry, it's because you need to eat more than once a week, friend. (laughs) So if you're hungry, read your Bible. If you don't like reading your Bible, we got Bible studies every single day. You can come join the Marshallese ministry and the and the Slavic ministry and the youth ministry, and you can come to prayer meeting every day at 8 o'clock. We read a chapter of the Bible there. You don't know how to get into this thing? All right. Let's sing something and then we're gonna we're gonna prophesy. We're gonna activate some stuff. Some of these are going to be relevant to your situation, and I want you to consider it. If you've got sickness in your body as the word comes forward, you just imagine this thing is like a sword cutting away at that sickness, okay? If you need healing in your body, I want you to touch the affected area right now. If you want to lift somebody up who you know is in need of healing, I want you to lift a hand to represent that person right now. Lord, your word says in Isaiah 53, 
by your stripes we were healed. And so, Lord, every person who's laying hands or lifting a hand to represent those in need of healing, we declare your healing virtue in the name of Jesus. You've said, Jesus, we would lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You said, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and we stand on your word, Lord. You said that even greater works would we do because you go to your Father in heaven. And so, Lord, we stand on your word and your declaration. If you saw it, Jesus, we can see it and even greater because you are the same yesterday, you are the same today, and you are the same forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, you said you sent forth your word and you healed us. And so, Lord, we stand on your word and we receive it as a healing word over our lives. In the name of Jesus the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're believing for somebody who's away from the Lord to return home, I want you to begin to speak their name out as I release the word over their lives. Jesus, if you could save a prodigal in Luke 16, Lord, I believe that you can save our prodigal sons, our prodigal family, our backslidden friends, and those who we're concerned about. Jesus, you said today is the day of salvation. Jesus, your very you are a savior and you came to save from sin. Lord, according to your word, Lord, we declare his name is Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Lord, you are willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance in the knowledge of you, Jesus. So we declare our sons and daughters, our family and friends are coming home in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Come on, if your emotions are not lining up with the joy, with the will, with the peace, with the love of God, we're going to command our soul to straighten up just as David did. Lord, I speak to those who are downcast. I speak to those who are depressed. And I say, hope in God in the name of Jesus. According to your word, hope in God. Lord, take the garments of heaviness give us the garment of praise. Almighty God, we ask that we who are sowing in tears will reap in joy according to your word. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, we declare wholeness, a sound mind of the mind of Jesus Christ. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You see the power in that, friend? Oh, my goodness. I feel like... I just feel the fire of God. Oh, my goodness. Lord, <laughs> you said in your word, you are the baptizer with the Holy Ghost in fire. And Lord, I'm asking that every person within the sound of my voice, the very same fire that I feel upon my body right now, I ask that you would breathe upon your people. Just as you did the disciples in the upper room, you said, you breathed on them and you said, receive the Holy Ghost. Jesus, I'm asking you to breathe on us today. 
that we might receive the Holy Ghost in a new, in a fresh way. Baptize us afresh in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you have the liberty to pray with your spirit, I want you to begin to stir that up right now. The Lord is going to begin to fill some of you with his spirit, with his presence and power. Right now, Lord, we ask you, pour out your spirit. Begin to baptize with your spirit and fire in a new and a fresh way. Pour it out. Breathe on us. Receive the Holy Ghost. You are the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. And so we ask you, breathe on us today. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, fill us with your spirit. Anoint us with your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Some of you are bound in sin. But the book of Hebrews said to cast aside every weight and the sin that easily trips you up so that you may run with endurance the race that is set before you. It's as simple. When the grace of God is in it, that which has bound you for years, you can simply set it aside. Jesus came not to save you from your sin, but he came to save you and deliver you out of your sin. Not save you in the midst of your sin, but to deliver you from sin. It's literally what his name means. And so, Lord, right now I ask you for the sons and daughters who are in shackles. They're bound in sin, but your word says that you've not given us a spirit of fear that leads to bondage, but you have given us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we ask, Abba, Father, would you come, would you step into this room and loose shackles from your sons and daughters in the mighty name of Jesus. Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The Bible says in Romans that, that, you have, um, that the law of the spirit of life has made us free from the law of sin and death. No longer are you bound by that law, that sin that once gripped you. Now the spirit of life comes and it sets you free in the name of Jesus. Lay aside every weight, every hindrance, every sin that we may run with endurance. The race set before us. Hallelujah. 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 You know, this is how I pray, church. This is how I pray. And the way that I began to do this began when I was in Bible school. And I would get a burden for a certain topic, whatever it was. I would get the vision from Scripture. Lord, this is what you say about it. And then I would put that word on my mouth. Every one of us, if we are going to effectively carry the sword of the Spirit, that's what we must learn how to do. Now, I don't know the address for all of those verses. I probably quoted 30 verses in the last five minutes right there. And I don't know the address for all of them. I could give you the book for most of them. But I know this word. You can know this word. Spend time in it every day. Lord, I ask most 
everybody in this room raise their hand when they said, I could use less screen time and more Bible time. And Lord, I'm asking for every single one of us, forgive us where we've neglected your word. Forgive us where we have prioritized entertainment, social media, whatever it may be, idleness of our hands. Forgive us for when you've been drawing us to your word. You've been drawing us to the secret place. And we got busy. We got distracted. God forbid we stayed bored instead of getting in your presence. Lord, I know your grace is here. I know you forgive us. And I ask you to help us. Help us to be faithful and committed to be students of your word every single day. Can I just lead us in a declaration? Maybe you're here and you say, I need Jesus to forgive me. We all do. Every one of us has fallen short of his high and holy standard. The Bible says that he's willing that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord, and we confess with our mouth, there it is. We can have faith in our heart, but unless we activate it by our words, it will not be made manifest. So we're going to make a profession of faith right now of Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And if you've never prayed this before, I believe today is going to be a day of transformation for you. Come on, can we all just, just pray this together? Everybody right out loud, pray, Dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I have sinned. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me by your blood. Every mistake, every failure, forgive me. I receive your free gift of salvation. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. And I thank you. You loved me so much. You died for me. Help me to live a life that honors you. Be my Savior, be my Lord, be my very best friend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.